0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the BlueWire Podcast Network. I'm com Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, a.k.a. the Iceman. Joining me shortly, we're sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. You can visit the brewery in Santa Rosa. Great vibes there. Awesome beer. They've always got a good food truck outside. And it's a really, really great place to spend a day, an evening, whatever you want to do. If you can't make it out to the brewery, or if you've made it out to the brewery and you just want to get some beer delivered on your doorstep, well, i got the solution for you. You can go to cooperagebrewing.com. That's C-O-O-P-E-R-A-G-E. Brewing.com. You can order a case, they'll send it to your house next day shipping, and they will get cold beer on your doorstep. It is the very best way to acquire beer. I'm telling you, Coopers Brewing, Coopers Brewing.com. Order your beer today. We're going to talk about the 49ers. So, a little bit different this week. We're not necessarily going to dive into the Raiders Niners matchup as much just because things got weird when they benched Derek Carr. We talked a lot about that. In the pod that dropped on Thursday, so if you've not listened to that, we talked a ton about Raiders Niners in that one. So we're going to do a little bit of a look ahead. We're going to look at the schedule this week and the 49ers place in the playoff standings based on, you know, the schedule and which games matter to them. And then we're going to do the five most indispensable 49ers going into the playoffs because that's really where we're setting our sights, at least for now. So let's dive in.
0: This is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got him, and a second
1: back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard line. 49ers were 3 and 4 after week 7. And we are entering week 17 like okay, let's look ahead to the playoffs. That's wild.
2: Yeah, I mean we 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 spent so much time talking about the Raiders and how dysfunctional they were in the podcast before this one that I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say going into Sunday because it's just really hard to analyze like the like <laughs> the in-game matchups between the 49ers defense and Jared Stidham. Right. So like right. we've talked so much about how the 49ers play offensively and how they play defensively. And, you know, it's just such a lopsided matchup in terms of particularly the defensive side of the ball. And, and, you know, now that we're saying this, maybe the Raiders come out and like beat the 49ers because we're right. <laughs> we are looking ahead, but, um, but no, it's just now that the 49ers are in the playoffs, I feel like there are more broader discussions to to be had. And what to be honest, like the reason why I wanted to have the indispensable player conversation was because I heard Ben Solak of The Ringer do it um, on his show. And frankly, I'm stealing the idea because it's a really good idea. And I think it's pertinent to the 49ers, particularly since injuries have been such a big part of the equation for this team for the last few years. Um, and it is a talented roster and different guys going down obviously affect the team in different ways um, so I think it's an interesting discussion to have particularly given we already did the Raiders talk I don't have anything more to say about just how weird and dysfunctional the Derek Carr Raiders situation is yeah it's like
1: how many different ways can you say Devonte Adams is good Darren Waller's good Josh Jacobs is good Hunter Renfro's a tough cover especially on third down and Max Crosby is really good on the defensive line. Sneaky NC. good kicker and Dan Carlson too. Uh, Danny C, of course. Danny Cars. I think it's is, it... is Shane Leckler still their punter? <laughs> no. I think Shane
2: Leckler's been out of the league for a long time. I think hey, Dan the Carlson Texans is for a minute. I think it's Dan Carlson with a K, just so you know. That's not right. That's for sure wrong.
1: There's no chance that's right.
2: Is it? Oh, you're right. You're right. My mistake. Carlson with the C the scratch K that is from his the position. Record. scratch the that K from is the his position. That must be it. <laughs> that must be it. Anyway, let's dive in. Who do you think, like, who would you list off first? These aren't going to be in order. Um, but who do you think would be like one of the five most indispensable 49ers? Should they somehow lose that person? So the first one that comes to mind is Brock Purdy, because
1: I don't think they can do it with Josh Johnson.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I, I would, would do- agree. I didn't think they could do
1: it with Brock Purdy, but <laughs> like we've seen Josh Johnson play in the NFL and it hasn't been super awesome. Like he's been on whatever it is, 14 teams and in, in 12 years or whatever it's been. Uh, I, I think Josh Johnson is like a valuable player to have as a, as an extra QB in your, in your, in your QB room. And maybe if, you know, they needed him for a quarter, you'd maybe be okay. But I think if, if Brock Purdy goes down going into the playoffs, that's where I draw the line on the 49ers' magic at quarterback this season.
2: We're basically going, and I agree with you. We're we're basically going into the playoffs considering the 49ers as a Super Bowl contender. Yes, they lose Brock Purdy, they are no longer that. You Correct. are wondering, Which is an if, insane sentence. <laughs> yeah, particularly given the context of how the season's gone. But if you lose Brock Purdy, then it's like, can they even win a game? Can they even win a single playoff game? Right. And maybe they could, but I, I think given the way Brock Purdy's played and how optimistic he has everybody feeling, like it would obviously be a substantial loss. The 49ers would be on their fourth quarterback in the playoffs. So that's... Yeah,
1: and it's not, it's not like Brock Purdy stinks and they're winning and it's like, oh, cool, they're just winning with a bad quarterback. Like, no, he's playing really well.
2: He's playing really good
1: football. Like he set a standard for Josh Johnson that I don't think. And again, I hate, I don't want to drag Josh Johnson, but I I wouldn't be confident that Josh Johnson could reach the requisite level. Like you said, maybe they go beat the Giants because the Niners defense. And they win 13 to six. Yeah. But are they going into Minnesota and beating the Vikings with Josh Johnson? I don't think so.
2: No. And I don't really to... know if they're going to go to Philly if they get that far so right we don't even know if josh johnson can operate the offense we at least know brock purdy can operate the offense yeah yeah and operate it i don't want to turn this into a josh johnson drag sesh but no sacramento mountain lion legend josh johnson shut up
1: i just there's a line eventually where like hey there's a requisite level of play you need from your quarterback
2: and i just don't think he can achieve it are you in any way worried about brock purdy like Eventually, this is all going to come crashing back down to earth. Less like, than I any... was. Okay,
1: go ahead. Less than I was a couple of weeks ago,
2: because I, we
1: talked about this after after I think it was his start against his start against Tampa. I think where it's like it's not his ceiling; it's the floor that you're worried about. And I think now, if he has a quote unquote bad game, I think they can still win. I, I don't I don't think that he's going to go in. If he has a bad game, it's going to be like, oh, man, he threw a couple of picks. But I don't think it's going to be wheels come off. He goes eight for 25 with three interceptions and is just inept. If he has a bad game, I think it would be a regular, like Jimmy Garoppolo type of bad game where, okay, he throws a couple of picks, but he threw a touchdown and he, he's able to move the ball a little bit on third down and keep him in it. So no, I, I don't. I don't expect it to come crashing down necessarily. But if he has a multi-interception game here at some point, like it wouldn't shock me.
2: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like I tend to think, basically, what he's done over these last few games in Seattle and against Washington in particular, is just like convince me of his competence. Right, like because. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to play quarterback in the NFL. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks play really well over certain stretches, and then it just end up not being sustainable. And the the very obvious parallel here would be Nick Mullins, mm-hmm. right? Like Nick Mullins against, against, albeit against a bad Raiders team, but... You know, he threw for 300 yards and had, like, the best passer rating for a quarterback in his NFL debut in history or whatever all those records were, right? Wasn't
1: it, like, a perfect, like, 158.13? Yeah,
2: and it came back down. like 151.9. It came crashing back okay. down.
1: Okay, so let, let's, let's talk about that real quick. So he followed that game up the next week at home against the Giants. Uh, one touchdown, two picks, threw for 250 yards. The next week at Tampa, that was a bad Tampa team, by the way. That was a Tampa team that had the worst pass defense in the NFL. He goes 18 for 32 for 221, a touchdown and two picks. Right. Like the wheels came off immediately.
2: Right. And so that hasn't happened with Purdy, which I guess reinforces the idea that like, no, he might just be a really competent quarterback. Yeah. So with the ability to make some plays, Mm -hmm. like outside, that's the the other thing, like being able to make defenders like pass rushers miss and then hit Debo Samuel downfield like he did in the Tampa game, I believe, you know, like there, those are just things that like, that's like extra, mm-hmm. like extra in a good way. Like that's, that's the type of stuff that Kyle Shanahan can't scheme for.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's the type of stuff he was frankly trying to get out of Trey Lance, like hoping Trey Lance could run the offense, but also utilize his athleticism and arm strength to like make extra plays when schematically it's just not there. Right. Which happens a lot, no matter how good you are schematically there situations where you just have to make plays yeah and that's
1: why i push back on the notion that brock birdie's just like a point and shoot quarterback he hasn't been right he's been he's been creating plays that aren't there and honestly avoiding sacks and avoiding negative plays where uh jimmy garoppolo wasn't as much so yeah i don't i don't necessarily think there's some cliff coming like I just I think he's a pretty good capable quarterback.
2: Yeah, I don't think so either, but I you do wonder like okay, like Brock Purdy throws a couple of picks in a playoff game, the Niners lose by a touchdown and be like, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But like for like put it, for, put it in perspective, if Brock Purdy didn't throw any picks in the playoffs and the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, we'd be like, damn. This guy Yeah. This guy is might be an all-time great. <laughs> you know or like it'd be like one of the all-time great playoff performances
1: yeah it would already be an like it's already an unbelievable story but if there's some kind of run to be had here we're talking like all time he's going down in nfl history is like where were you when the brock Purdy season happened right like that's kind of the trajectory this is on so yeah i mean there's there's a very real possibility that he gets into the postseason and has a bad game and like you said they lose by a touchdown and it's just like oh That was disappointing, but there's nothing I've seen that it's like, okay, he's, has he gotten away with a couple of missed interceptions? Like, yeah, for sure. But those have been a couple of throws here and there. It's not like, man, he completed 65% of his passes, but seven of them were interceptable and he had four tipped at the line and three of them were caught on like bobbles. There's no, it's, I just don't have any reason to like think that. Yeah other than he was a 7th round pick. Right. I guess right. all I got. And Tom Brady was a 6th round pick. He was 199 overall, FYI. Yeah, I've heard that. Don't
2: know if
1: um, you knew that.
2: All right. Go Blue. Do Well. Do we need <laughs> to uh do we need to really analyze how indispensable Nick Bosa is? I'm good player. So, here okay, let's talk about this.
1: Here's here's how I want to talk about Nick Bosa. I put I wrote these names down in no real particular order but just kind of in the order that they came into my head. And I wrote Fred Warner down before I wrote down Nick Bosa. Was there any reason behind that? I think that I'm averse to alphabetical order. Okay,
2: sure.
1: No, no no no. <laughs> I I just I I wonder like because of the way Fred Warner controls the middle of the field. I do wonder if the Niners would be able to generate enough of a pass rush without Nick Bosa with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw hanging out in the middle and taking away some of those throws that that quarterbacks can use to mitigate a pass rush. Or would Bosa being out make it so the Niners pass rush is just non-existent and the coverage that had been so successful throughout the year was just not the same because the quarterback's not being pressured at the same rate.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm because inclined and egg. Yeah, I'm inclined to think Nick Bosa is the 49ers' most important non-quarterback. In terms of Yeah, and of, he's going
1: to be the defensive player of the year and I mean, it, yeah. you'd rather have him than not.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm to the point like like I said, I think Nick Bosa is the 49ers' most important player who doesn't play quarterback. He if he it epitomizes how good their defense is, right? Like he's the best pass rusher in the NFL. He's, I think you can make a strong case. He's one of the best run defending defensive ends in in football.
1: Yeah, he's the he's he's the best defensive player in football.
2: And if you're if okay, so here's another way to look at it. If you were to draft every player that's going to be available in the nfc playoffs non-quarterback okay where's nick bosa going man
1: my initial thought was first but i'm trying to think if there's somebody obvious i'm missing
2: justin jefferson maybe
1: micah parsons
2: well, you're clear. you're definitely taking Bosa over Michael Parsons, based on this season, right? Man, We're just talking about for the playoffs. Like, I think it's it's I'm Bosa. To, I'm
1: just trying to think of good players.
2: It's Bosa or Justin Jefferson, in my view. Maybe Lane Johnson, but he's hurt. Maybe Trent Williams, but. As important as left tackle is, I think the difference between Nick Bosa and a replacement-level defensive end versus Trent Williams and a replacement-level left tackle, the gulf is wider in Bosa's case.
1: Yeah, and Bosa is capable of, and we've seen this multiple times this year with the 49ers, of just on a big play late in the game being like, I'm going to block this play. Like your quarterback's either going down or he's going to throw it away because he's going to take a sack if not. Right, and there's just no real like you just can't block that when he decides that's going to happen.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I think Nick Bosa and again the Atlanta game it was a long time ago but the fact that if you you go back and watch that game and see how the Falcons ran the ball and particularly attacked the edges, like not having Nick Bosa to set the edge in the running game was a huge part of the huge part of the reason why the 49ers lost
1: yeah you're right
2: so it goes without saying like not only is Nick Bosa super important to the 49ers he's probably like he's I think he's minus 1200 right now to to win defensive player of the year <laughs> that's super funny and I just think in terms of like non-quarterbacks in even shit I mean I don't know how many elite quarterbacks there are on the NFC right now to be honest but like non-quarterbacks for sure i think nick bosa is probably the first or second pick if you're just drafting all the players who are playing in the nfc playoffs okay i'll buy that so we got two we got brock purdy and nick bosa who would you throw out there i have fred warner also on my list
1: okay like i just brought up because i just don't think as good as like aziz al shire and dre greenlaw are i just think there's enough of a drop off there that there would be just some disarray in the 49ers defense, maybe a miscommunication here and there that leads to a big play that you just don't get when Fred Warner's on the field. Like, they basically can't get screened. Like, teams can't run screens on them because of how well Nick Bosa, or not Nick Bosa, well, Nick Bosa too, but Fred Warner diagnoses them and gets home. And Dre Greenlaw too, he's been pretty good at that, but... When against the Falcons. That game Nick Bosa was actually out. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen Fred Warner play. And I think that's part of the reason the Niners defense suffered so much is because Fred Warner just kind of he's missing tackles and going the wrong way. He's just so important, I think, to their entire defense where if Nick Bosa's one, he's two just because of the drop-off uh, in, in
2: really... Both phases
1: run in pass.
2: So Fred Warner missed one game last year, mm-hmm. but that's the only game he's missed in his career. Yes, he's he's been in the league for five seasons and missed one game. That's like the four. He's Bunker. in his
1: fifth year.
2: Yeah, drafted in twenty eighteen. Remember when he wore number forty eight? As a rookie boy, do I, (laughs) Um, but one of my favorite
1: photos of him is Theo Riddick is he dropped a pass for the lions in that week two game. And it's Theo Riddick laying on the ground with his hands on his head and Fred Warner in that 48 Jersey standing over him with the incomplete. It's a really cool photo. (laughs) Anyways,
2: go on. Um, If the 49ers were to lose him, they would just be completely out of sorts in terms of making calls and checks and calling plays in the huddle and getting guys aligned pre-snap. Right. Like the the value in yes. Fred Warner in Fred Warner is his consistency, but also the fact that he's just always like, he's always there to essentially act as an extension of the coaching staff on the field. Yeah. And so you can make a case for sure that like, oh, there's not a big drop-off in terms of production from Fred Warner to Dre Greenlaw. But I would argue that Fred Warner deserves a lot of credit for the way Drake Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire play because of his ability to get everybody lined up to call out plays before they happen. Like Fred Warner has a Richard Sherman level of recall when it comes to studying tape scouting teams and sort of knowing what's coming based on alignments and splits and formations before the snap like that's mm-hmm. that's a huge advantage and that's something that the 49ers would lose dearly even though you could you know like oh fred warner's out Dre Greenlaw's is a really good linebacker you'd be fine it's like no there's like a whole mental part of the game that fred warner's really really good at that makes him super valuable to the 49ers defense yeah yeah so i'm with you on that
1: Great. I'm interested <laughs> to see who your final two are.
2: Well, okay, so Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Um. I was on with uh with our guys D and KC today. I was on and, with them too. Shout out. Yeah. We were we we both were. They got they got a dose of uh, candlestick chronicles. Split up though. We weren't on at the same time. It's fine. That's how we win. We cast
1: a wide net across <laughs> two of their shows for hours. Right.
2: Um so getting Elijah Mitchell back, they, they asked me about the importance of getting Elijah Mitchell back. And to me, the importance of getting Elijah Mitchell back is not only is he a good running back, but who's like been good at like closing games when he's healthy. When, after they got Christian McCaffrey and and Elijah Mitchell came back healthy serving as the quote unquote closer in the running game, right. In the second half, having a traditional running back to eat up touches allows you to utilize Christian McCaffrey's versatility, which is his best trait, right? Like being able to utilize Christian McCaffrey in the passing game as a slot receiver, as a screen option, as a check down option, being able to do that more and more is what makes him so effective. And if you have another really good running back, as as good of a player as Jordan Mason has been, but if you have another good running back like Elijah Mitchell, who might be one of the 10 or 12 best running backs in the league, That allows you to not have to rely on Christian McCaffrey for 25 touches like he did in Seattle. And as effective as that is over a three or four game, you know, playoff run to keep him fresh, to keep the hits off of him, allows you to maximize his versatility more and more. Yeah. So like if you lose Christian McCaffrey, you lose another sort of queen on the chessboard because you lose somebody that can be utilized in all those different ways. And that's really Christian McCaffrey being the security blanket that he's been for the 49ers to me has been where his value lies. Like, yeah, he'll, he'll spring a a good run here and there for sure. But it's just like, Oh, this play is going nowhere. Check it down. Boom. Six yards of Christian McCaffrey. Like that is a huge luxury for this team that hadn't had before he got here. Yep. I don't think there's really anybody on the roster that you can replace that with on top of like how he's used as a decoy to get other guys open in space like George Kittle yep. has benefited so much the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, and I, in, in the playoffs specifically, and we've talked about this a ton with McCaffrey, but being able to just stay on the field on third down is just so crazy valuable. And just being able to, hey, you can keep like let us just let's fast forward and get ahead of ourselves. And say that they go play the Eagles in Philly. Having a player that your rookie quarterback on the road in the playoffs is comfortable just checking the ball to, and having that player be able to get a first down and keep Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense on the sideline. That's just that's that's massive, especially in a one game sample where you don't you don't get a next week. <laughs> You just need to you need to convert this third down and keep the drive going. Having that's where McCaffrey, who's I mean, over the course of his what seven weeks at the team now, least like seven there, ten weeks, ten weeks, nine games. This is nine his games. tenth game. So over his nine games at the team, like his value has been. I mean, look at a metric or watch a game and you can see his value, but I think in the playoffs we're really going to see it where in any big spot it's like lean on 23. Need a first down, get it to 23. Like, forget, you you know, you're, you're right about, like, limiting his touches, but I think that they might do that via some earlier carries for Elijah Mitchell. Right. That way, in a big spot, third and fourth quarter, it's, dude, McCaffrey. Just, if you need 10 touches on this drive, then get him 10 touches on this drive.
2: Well, like, the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game, how do you blow leads? You punt. Correct. <laughs> you blow leads by not being able to move the chains. And dropping interceptions. And dropping interceptions, sure. But like the fourth quarter of the of the Chiefs Super Bowl, they just couldn't move the chains. And that's like yep. what Christian McCaffrey is by definition, is a chain yeah. mover.
1: Whether CMC, it's his ability. Or chain moving Christian.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's roll with that. Um no, but like even, you know, like the incompletions, like plays that go for incompletions or like plays where you have to throw it into tight coverage somewhere. Just check it down to the guy and get five or six yards. Yeah. Yeah. And then third down is manageable. So anyway. Um Christian McCaffrey's super valuable.
1: Yeah. Say your last one on three. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. George Ward. George Kittle. Oh, he didn't go on three. <laughs> I have Mooney Ward as my fifth one. Okay. Because if he's not playing, their secondary is a disaster. Yeah. So that's where I'm at on that. It, the, I think Samuel Womack's going to be a good player. But, I mean, you saw it against Washington. Mooney Ward came out and it just immediately went it.
2: <laughs> Sam Womack. He's their fourth corner by definition, Samuel Womack. Given that he started behind Emmanuel Mosley, Mooney Ward, and and has been behind Diamond or Lenore, he's their fourth yeah. corner.
1: Yeah. And, and you don't again, want that like I said, I'm not trying on. to shade Samuel Womack. He does, he plays hard and does a nice job, but Traverius Ward's just been on a different level this year.
2: You're just not going to trust a rookie fifth round pick to be like, all right, you're going to help us win this playoff game.
1: The irony of saying that when a rookie seventh round pick is their quarterback is really funny. That's fair. I don't know if irony is the right. I don't think that's the proper use of irony.
2: I don't know. That's fair.
1: It's just funny. But but no, at corner specifically, I mean, that's just a really tough spot to put a corner in after he hasn't played most of the year.
2: Yeah. And who started the year in the slot, by the way. Well, put it this way. They go to Minnesota or host Minnesota like, that could lose them the game. Yes. It it would just be Justin Jefferson on D'Amador, Lenore, or Sam Womack the entire game. And, like, right. we've seen the 49ers lose games where they just can't cover one dude. Yes. The, the, the NFC Championship game last year. Yeah, exactly. So, like, and even, you know, Philadelphia with, with Brown.
1: The, they lost that Titans game because A.J. Brown was
2: uncoverable. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm with you. That's a good call. So I said Kittle, um, and I—I I, I don't, you know, weighing them against each other. I'm, I, you know, I think Mooney's super important. I think Kittle's super important because it's less about what he does in the passing game and the fact that he scored four touchdowns through the air the last two games. It's his versatility in terms of what he does in the running game. Mm-hmm. Sort of defines their offense. That's true. Like their offense is defined in a way by versatility, by having so many guys who can do multiple things. And Kittle, given they want they want to be able to run the ball, and given he can be a dominant run blocker, there's just and an elite pass catching tight end. There's just such a drop off that's irreplaceable if he's not out there. And the 49ers, in my opinion, even despite all the other skill guys they have. Like even more so than like Debo Samuel. As good as Debo Samuel is, we've seen the 49ers create a functioning offense without him. Mm-hmm. Because they do have Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk and guys who can sort of pick up the slack that you know you might lose with Debo Samuel not available. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody to really replace what George Kittle does for them in that way.
1: Shots fired at Ross Dwelly.
2: I mean Ross <laughs> Ross Ross trolley was a healthy scratch last game. Come on. Yeah. I mean Ross is a nice guy and a good football player, but like
1: no, he's not George Kittle though. He's not George Kittle. And again, this comes down to remember when when Kyle Juszczyk was out in 2019 and Dwelly played and just did a like decent job filling in. It's like that works over a four-game regular season sample where you have next week. In a playoff game where you have four quarters. Like leaning on Ross Dwelly or Charlie Warner or Tyler Croft to be
2: George Kittle, you hate it.
1: You you really hate
2: it. Right. And so much of what the 49ers do offensively is predicated just on good run blocking. Yeah. Like yes, the, Ray, Ray, the, the Ray Ray McLeod touchdown last week was just a product. Now McLeod's fast, obviously, and it was a good play call. But it was a product of a bunch of really good run blocking.
1: Mm-hmm. Willie Sneed, shout out.
2: And how many big runs do the 49ers have where it's like, damn, that was just blocked up really well?
1: Yeah. Like, a lot. damn,
2: Aaron Banks threw a nice block. Jake Brendel threw a nice block. George Kittle and Kyle Yuzchik threw nice blocks. Like, it's so many of their explosive run plays, which are which are such a crucial part of their offense, results in nice blocks. Yes. And being able to have a tight end who can also, like, oh, it looks like a running play we're overloading this running play and then have the tight end, be able to sneak out the back and play action, get the ball in space and be somebody that absolutely nobody wants to tackle. That's just something the 49ers can't replace, not a tight end.
1: So I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And I, I, I would not argue that about George Kittle's indispensability necessarily, but if I'm comparing him and Treverius Ward, I would trust the Niners to figure out how to generate offense without George Kittle before I trusted Samuel Womack to play at the level that Treverius Ward is gonna play.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's why I
1: wrote down Ward over over Kittle. That's fair. But, like when you see George Kittle the last two games, we go for what is it, 213 yards and four touchdowns, and he has six touchdowns over twenty five yards this year. Like that's that explosive play element that they're just missing, right? So, I I I don't think you can go wrong either
2: way. Yeah, yeah. We just broke that down beautifully. I think. I think we did a really nice job. Shouts to us.
1: Hey, everybody listening, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> just the worst type of dudes.
2: Lesson in humility after the break. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, let's let's look at the. The, one of my favorite parts about where the Niners are at in the NFC is over at Niners Wire over the last couple of years, and espe- well, especially last year, it was like, "Here's the playoff scenarios. Here's who needs to win. Here's who needs to lose. Here's all the different ways this can go." If the Niners lose, they need all this to happen. Whereas this year, it's like, "Yeah, hey, they need the Vikings to lose." <laughs> the, the, that's the that's that's. That's the that's the tweet. Yeah. And the Eagles. If they like the one seed, the door is still open on the one. It gets really interesting if the Eagles lose this week to the Saints at home.
2: I don't think they're gonna. So the Saints might not score. Jalen Hurts return to practice. hmm I'm guessing he doesn't play against New Orleans. Yeah, me too. If they win one of their last two games, they clinch the one seed.
1: Correct. And they host the Giants in week seven, or 18.
2: Yeah, they have two home games to finish. So if they lose to the Saints, I'm guessing Gardner Minshew is going to play against the Saints. I think that's right. If they lose to the Saints, I'm guessing Hurts plays against the Giants. If they beat the Saints, they have no reason to play Hurts against the Giants because they would clinch a one-seed.
1: Other than, yeah, I mean, other than you don't want your guy having four weeks off before playing in a playoff game. You yeah. Probably, they might a half.
2: I mean, at that point though, I would rather have the guy a little bit more healthy and take some hits off his body than worry about like being in a rhythm. Like you got you gotta make a decision, like what's better. And in my opinion, like it's you know, yeah, your your guy might not be in a rhythm, but at least he's not gonna get hit four or five times by
1: yeah, okay. And their first matchup is probably gonna be one that they're favored pretty heavily in.
2: Yeah. And it might be it might be against the Giants, so they could be like you know, we'll we'll play our backup one week and then, you know, our starter the next week or Washington. Even I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like maybe they're like, well, we'll, we'll see you next week. So we're just not going to we're not going to show you our starting quarterback this week.
1: They're li- well. OK, well, their likeliest week one outcome is, or or divisional round outcome, assuming they get the one seed is the Cowboys.
2: Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. My bad. They they still give out buys to the one seat, I forgot. Correct. By That's still state. a thing. <laughs> the old so, format no. was better, man. The six the six it, playoff teams and the two buys, that was better. I totally agree. And rant. Um there, <laughs> this is a short one this
1: week. It was no sock rant. Uh <laughs> the, <laughs> if the Vikings are gonna lose, though, this is the one. They're, they're they're on the road in Green Bay. And Green Bay's rolling a little bit right now. Vikings are just not a 14-3 and three team. They're not. If they They're... beat Green Bay, I'll concede. Green yeah, I guess. Year, but if they go on the road against a desperate Green Bay team, because Green Bay needs to win out to, to make the postseason. I think they need to win out and get help. But they need to win out to make the postseason. And the the Vikings don't. So if the Vikings can go in and beat a desperate Packer team on the road, that would be very impressive.
2: The Vikings have 12 wins and an overall net point differential of five. They've outscored their opponents 12 times and have a net point differential of five. The Niners have outscored their opponents
1: by 140 more points than (laughs) the Vikings have, and they have one
2: fewer win. (laughs) The ca- <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense Like the, I just every The only thing I feel like the Vikings Have is Justin Jefferson Yeah I mean I, I and Kurt,
1: To, to Kirk Cousins credit Kirk Cousins has been playing pretty well this year He has But what does he look like in a playoff game Right It would be so funny To me If they lost in the first round
2: at home at every single game they've had or just about every single game they've had that they've won has been just crazy close with the exception of like week one against the packers they beat the packers 23 to 7 lions 28 24 saints 28 25 bears 29 22 dolphins 24 16 Cardinals they won by 8, 34-26. They beat Washington by 3. <clears throat> excuse me, by 3. How about 20 to 17. Just going through it. Uh Buffalo, they won by 3. That was a crazy game and a good win for them. Lost to Dallas by 37, three to, 3 to 40.
1: A 40 to 3 loss at home in a game you were favored in is bananas. Yeah.
2: They they beat the Patriots. No, I'm sorry. I think they were two point dogs beat the Patriots by seven, beat the Jets by five, lost to the Lions by 11. Beat the Jets by five. And I believe the Jets
1: had a chance to score from like inside the 10 at the end of the game.
2: We all saw what happened in the Colts game, which is one of the most hilarious football games I've ever watched. And then beat the Giants last week by three. On a last All of their wins play. except for one have been by one score.
1: Yes. And all of their losses have been shellackings.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they got crushed by Philadelphia.
1: The Vikings are weird, man. Just a weird,
2: weird team. Maybe it's groupthink, but I just don't have faith in them to win in the playoffs. I just don't.
1: Well, I I don't think it's groupthink necessarily. It's like we've seen it's it's the Andy Reid thing. Andy Reid was a loser. Like he was known for getting to the playoffs, getting to the championship game, and then losing. Like that's what he—he he was just like, "Oh yeah, Andy Reid, great offensive mind, but what has he ever done?" And that's where Kirk Cousins is at. And you—you you were there. You were at the Niners Vikings game, where as the pass is getting to Justin Jefferson, Jefferson slumping his shoulders because he knows the pass isn't getting to him. Yeah, that wasn't great. Or he's running wide open, doesn't get seen, he's tossing his head back in frustration as he leaves the field. It's... it's, Maybe there's something in there with the Vikings that I'm not seeing. And defensively, they're just not great in there.
2: They generally... Like, they have... I want to say they have a top-10 pass offense, but I don't even know if that's necessarily true. They're six in yards, fifth in touchdowns, But they're averaging, I mean, net yards per attempt is six, and they're that's 17th in the league. You know, like their defense is ranked 31st. I don't know, man.
1: Their defense isn't good. No, it's not. Let me let me I'm consulting the football outsider's DVOA chart here. Let me get this fired up. Let's hear it. The Minnesota Vikings, the 49ers, just for reference. Seventh in total DVOA behind the Lions,
2: FYI. In football, yeah, this is a football stat. Football stat, interesting.
1: Just behind the Lions and just ahead of Jacksonville. Oh, this is offensive DVOA. I'm sorry, this is just offense. That makes uh, more sense. Minnesota I was say, Lions defense is really not good. <laughs> 19th in offensive DVOA, 16th in pass DVOA, 26th in a rush. Like they're just they're the Kirk Cousins of the football teams.
2: I think that's accurate.
1: The Niners third in overall DVOA
2: behind Buffalo and Philly. All this said, I really number liked...
1: one in weighted DVOA. Holy shit. The Niners? Yeah. Yeah, they're good. Seventh in offense, first in defense, special teams. Third? Fourteenth. First? Fourteenth? Okay. Top half though.
2: Yeah, I mean they're undervaluing Mitch. Um, there's clearly something wrong with their formulas, but that's fine. Um, Minnesota, 28th in special teams DVOA. What are they in long snapping?
1: Long snapping. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's out yet.
2: Okay, we gotta wait for the postseason calculations. Yeah. Um, I think the Packers are gonna beat the Vikings.
1: I do too. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if the Packers kind of beat the heck out of the Vikings wouldn't surprise me either like if they just like one of those like 31 to 13 type of games yeah but like i said i believe if the vikings win this week i will i will think differently about them
2: yeah potentially i mean the vikings are just or sorry the packers they've won three in a row you just i don't know i mean two of those wins were against the bears and and rams but they did beat the dolphins Albeit in a weird Tua game. But, yeah, I just, I don't trust Minnesota going to play at Lambeau and New Year's Day to play well. Anyway. Yeah, me neither.
1: Hey, is Tua bad now?
2: Man, should he even be playing? at the Like, I feel bad for Tua. I do, too. I just don't. Our guy, Damian Barling, had a really good rant on his show, d just talking about how, like, Dr. Alan Sills going on TV and giving statements about Tua and head injuries and stuff. It's like, who's that serving? Who's that helping? Nobody. It's
1: right. trying to help the NFL.
2: Right. It's, it's like, all bro, we,
1: it's like we can see. We can see you. Right. <laughs> it's not that you're you're pulling you're pulling trans, transparent wool over people's eyes translucent
2: right. translucent it's just a it's an ugly situation and i just hope for his sake for his his own safety and the health of his just just well-being is is taken into account more than the need to play him in the playoffs and get you know, like right now, Kansas City's a one seed. What would Kansas City do to Miami in the opening round of the playoffs? Beat them by thirty. Sorry, Kansas City's a two seed. Did I say one seed, two seed. They're they're
1: the going to be the top seeded team that plays on card weekend. Yeah, unless
2: unless the Bills slip up. But man, wild. Yeah, I don't know, man. Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know, but. I just, I just feel bad for Tua. I think it's cool that he's bounced back and had a good season. I'm definitely not a 2 and on person, and I wouldn't say I'm like a two and on a believer like he's some elite quarterback. But I think the thing that I'll I'll take away from the NFL season this year is that you can field a really good team, even a really good offense, without having an elite quarterback. And obviously, as important as it is to have somebody like Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen – and Joe Burrow to a certain extent, like I'm just looking at the NFC and just not really believing that you have to have an elite quarterback to to get to where you want to go. And Jalen Hurts has had a really nice year and he's an MVP candidate and more power to him. But for me, an elite quarterback has to like be elite for a long time. And I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that he can't get there and maybe he'll play like an elite quarterback throughout the playoffs. But if we're going by quarterbacks, in the NFC by seed, it's Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, 75 year old Tom Brady, Dak Pres- <laughs> Prescott, Dan Jones, and Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott, who's
1: tied for the league lead in interceptions despite missing five games. That's a wild stat. And it's not even all on Dak, because there's been multiple like, like just balls that hit his Receiver's chest and it pops into the air, but that's just Dallas's offense, right? Like they just—I don't know.
2: So yeah, the Niners need the Eagles and Vikings to lose. I think they end up with the two that's seed. Look ahead. I think the Niners win out. They finish thirteen and four. Minnesota loses one or if not both, and. I just don't trust them, but I, I I like the Packers a lot against the Vikings this week. Me
1: too. So, sets up an epic Packers Lions Week 18 game that could be for for a playoff spot. I wouldn't hate that on Sunday
2: Night Football. Would, that would be fun. I would
1: love that. Uh, I think we're probably going to get Packers or not Packers, uh, Jags Titans on Sunday Night Football.
2: And week 18.
1: That's going to decide the AFC South. The Titans rested a bunch of guys tonight to gear up for that Jags game.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Would it? Would they do that for that division? Because I know they like to do it when it's, there's like a playoff spot on the line, which for sure there will be in that game. But yeah, would,
1: it's win the division or miss the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I just have a hard time. Like they usually want to go for like a ratings bonanza. And I can't imagine like the Josh, the Josh Dobbs or Malik Willis led Titans against the, the Trent balky led Jaguars. A game. The Jags would probably win by 50, by the way,
1: they should. Although it would be the, the Titans are losing to Dallas right now as we speak. And there's a chance that if Sunday Night Football picks up that game and the Titans win, it could be the 8-9 and nine AFC South winner on NBC for Senate Football.
2: Jags go to Houston this week before that game. And they're probably going to rest a bunch of guys. <laughs> I guess. Yes. Houston beat the Titans last week. Totally forgot. Yeah,
1: yeah. And again, the Titans were trying, and Titans all lost five in a row. And Houston beat
2: the Jags earlier this season.
1: Yes. Hmm. That's a big game in my survivor pool that I won. Congrats. A lot of people had the Jags.
2: Thanks. Congrats. Yeah, Um, the Titans were 7-3 and and just cruising, and now they're 7-8. Okay, tough. So did we just punt on the six-pack, the Cooperage six-pack for this week? since we broke down their most indispensable players and gave a lot of takes that would overlap with, with the six pack or do we very, want to make it a four pack
1: for thanks for everybody for listening. That was your Cooperage five most indispensable players for the playoffs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you want to do a hipster four pack.
1: Oh, a hipster four pack. Here we go.
2: Like who we like, who we like to show out against the Raiders slash tell the story of the game. They got to be all hipster picks though. Jordan Mason. Love it.
1: I think Jordan Mason or Ty Davis-Price are getting their first career touchdown this week.
2: Well, you have to pick one. So you're I, going I'm, picking, I'm
1: picking Jordan Mason, but I'm making a prediction Okay, that one of those two players is going to get their first touchdown this week.
2: Okay. I'm sticking with Juwan Jennings. Okay. At some point over these next two games, Juwan Jennings is going to have a multiple touchdown game. It didn't come against Washington, which I predicted last week but I think it's going to happen at some point because it's just like, why not? Like if you're defending the 49ers, Juwan Jennings is still far down your list on things you need to account for. Despite the fact he seems like the first target on every third down.
1: Yeah. Okay. I like that. Let's do. Hmm. Let's do. Ooh. He had a good game last week. I think he's going to back it up with another one this week.
2: Jordan Willis. Ooh, Jay Willie. I like it. Yeah, he had I was a really. About, like... I was thinking about the defensive line. I like that you went there.
1: He he had a really good game last week. He had back to back plays. We had really nice stops in the backfield. One of them got negated by a penalty, but he had the fumble recovery on on Bosa's strip sack. He just good game for number seventy five. Look for him to break out this week
2: i'm coming at your neck with this pick dude don't do it ty mcgill you bitch (laughs) (laughs) he is a pretty good player for somebody they got out of nowhere off the street in the middle of the season
1: like yeah we need a defensive lineman hey hit the rolodex
2: right ty mcgill sure right like hey hey kyle calls up to john john we need to sign the guy that sounds like the made-up name from madden like the, the defensive lineman with the most made-up sounding name that we can get john calls back after consulting with adam peters hey i got a ty mcgill we can bring in here he's gonna make some stops for us
0: <laughs>
2: ty mcgill no- my pick.
1: T.Y. McGill is one of those guys that when they first signed him, I because I write about all the people they sign and I just I hit pro football reference first. And I was expecting him to be like an undrafted rookie or whatever. And he's been in the league for like several years. He played in a lot of games. He's playing like it. I'm like, sure, man. He's playing Step like up, it. T.Y. I see you. Yeah. Keem Spence as well. Keem Spence doing a nice job.
2: Yeah. Javon Kinlaw is going to be worked back in slowly. I won't imagine he's going to get more than fifteen or twenty snaps. So, yeah, made a nice play on the fourth down, stop the goal line stand. Yep. So, what do you give me for Tyler Croft? I mean, the four pack's been picked, but oh,
1: that's right, we're only doing four.
2: Yeah, this was a hipster four pack since we, a lot of the the usual suspects were mentioned in the five most indispensable players, which I think turned into six or seven maybe
1: (laughs) Uh, we each had five we deferred differentiated on the last one
2: okay so there were like six that that got broken down
1: remember jalen rose did that he did his top 10 nba players of all time and tied two players for 10 i think that's 11 jalen colby bryant and steph curry or something like i forget
2: At least steph was top 10
1: i i don't remember exactly who it was but i just remember like that's not a top 10 that's top 11 there's 11 players there. Anyways. Tyler Croft. I think Tyler Croft is going to catch a touchdown.
2: Okay. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. We're to the point now where I kind of think, like, like if George Kittle plays, you know, 20% of the snaps in each of these last two games, like that's kind of what So I that's how
1: Shanahan has said he's been pretty adamant they're not going to rest guys. And if they're trying to get the two seed, they can't because they have to try and win. But there's a chance both of their last two games get to a point that it's like, okay, Nick Bosa is not going to play the second half. Right. Or he's going to play a rotational role and play eight snaps in the second half or something.
2: Although Nick Bosa Bosa was still on the field when it was a 17-point game and like two minutes left against Washington. It's true. So, anyway. All right. That's it for the pod. Unless you got something else you want to say. I don't think I do. Okay.
1: I'm I'm a little bummed that Niners Raiders has been turned into
2: the shell of
1: whatever it used to be.
2: I got an email today from a ticket distribution website, secondhand. They don't sponsor the pod, but if they did, I would shout them out. Apparently, this is the most expensive ticket in the NFL this season.
1: Mm. $581 was the average ticket price is the last number I saw.
2: Yeah, I saw the get-in price was like over 400 bucks just to get in. God. To go see Brock Purdy and Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham, the guy the Patriots who have employed Cam Newton and Mac Jones to play quarterback. Jared Stidham's a guy that the Patriots did not want playing quarterback or anywhere near their building.
1: They drafted him in the fourth round two years ago and now he's on a different
2: team. And now the Raiders prefer him over Derek Carr. It's wild. Honestly.
1: I don't know where their relationship's at with Derek Carr, but they might prefer you to Derek Carr at this point.
2: Maybe. I mean, I might prefer some... I might prefer Jared Sim to Derek Carr. If he's going to be like, oh, I don't want to be a distract- distraction, so I'm going to leave. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, you're not going to be a distraction at all. You're just going to force your teammates to answer all the questions from the media about yeah. you while you're wall. Like, come on, man. Just be there. Face There'll the music. Answer the questions from the media go to meetings, go to practice. Like you're more of a distraction by saying you don't want to be a distraction and not being yeah. there.
1: Hey, real quick. When I said they might prefer you to Derek Carr. Once a year, this comes up on the internet where someone's like, could you complete a three yard pass in the NFL? I could not. It's like, it's like, brother, I don't even know that I would catch the shotgun snap. Man, like, the snap gets back. Cause you're not dropping back. No chance. No chance. If if you're a if you're a regular person and you try to and you've not played like quarterback at any level and you just try to drop back, you're not getting five steps before there's somebody on you.
2: Bro, the most embarrassed I've been in life came or like a few months ago at a oh. king at a king's practice when the media was on the floor, like Mike Brown was like showing us like the uh their offensive and defensive sets. So I hadn't great. picked up a basketball since I played intramural in Santa Barbara like 15 years ago. Oh. The ball ended up in my hands, and there were like make a chess pass or like make a swing pass to a guy. Like I threw it to James Hamm, who was like 15 feet away to my right, and just basically threw it at his ankles. Like completely forgot. My body completely forgot how to th- pass a basketball. Oh no. So there is no way I'm going to sit here and tell you that I could complete a pass in an NFL game for three yards. Like my body was just like, what is this thing in your hands? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and like Mike Brown was like, that's one of the worst passes I've ever seen. I was like, thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. You're right. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's funny. There's no chance I'm completing a pass in an NFL game. Yeah.
1: The list of things I could, could, could successfully do in an NFL game is
2: very short like participating between the lines yeah okay yeah He'd keep There's stats chi- <laughs> do some charts
1: i can smash some chicken strips at halftime <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right let's get out of here yeah we're out uh niners raiders new year's day everybody enjoy the new year hope everyone had a great year um hope everyone celebrates uh safely can and I enjoyably
1: the- can i tell you about the cocktail i'm gonna drink on new year's eve
2: no, is it an old fashioned? Because I'm watching,
1: we're... I'm watching a show called Drink Masters right now. My my wife and I are going through it. It's a drink making competition show. Very good on Netflix. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, Netflix spots of the pot, and it made me really want to try because they made a was it called a New York, a New York sour. Is that what it was called? But it was it was like a. It was like a whiskey sour, but they float it with like a red wine. Hmm. And I found this cocktail that's red wine, whiskey, lemon juice, and simple syrup. And I'm so excited to try it. I really can't wait.
2: Yeah, my girlfriend and her parents got me all this, um, all the the recipes for old fashions. And now I'm just going to be making old fashions from here to the end of time when I'm not drinking Cooperage beer so oh yeah that's exciting ice man coming (laughs) yeah and they gave me they gave me the the big ice cube tray so like the key to an old-fashioned yeah the key to an old-fashioned is a big ice cube if you go to to a a place if you go to a place and they serve you an old-fashioned with a bunch of little ice cubes just get the hell out of there just go run to your go somewhere else anywhere else yeah like cooperage be a great spot to run to all right
1: we're out of here subscribe rate review hey everybody thanks for a great year i don't want to do a whole big sign-off thing because like we're gonna be back next week and the football season's still the same but uh shout out to you
2: Been a great year we appreciate all the listeners yeah everyone's been really supportive it's it's been awesome as always
1: even the even the like this year, even when people have like critiques or thoughts, they've been super nice about it. Which is really rare on the internet. Sure. Which is like, you're an idiot because you said this. So people are like, hey, keep training the pod, but I really disagree like, with what you said. I'm like, huh. Hey, that's cool. That's a good point.
2: Let's bring <laughs> back civility. Hey, shout out to we're doing it, man. <laughs> Alright, we're finally gonna Podcast, leave. Podcast changing the world. Yeah, We'll see you again. <laughs>